People talk loud when they want to act smart, right? Correct! So if we play loud, people might think we're good. Everybody ready? And the one, and the two, and the one, two, three, four! Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. My name is Sterling. And hey, this is Cloud. We are the Film School Brats. This is a show where we talk about movies, TV, and entertainment from the perspective of film students. Today, we're actually going to be talking about how we got into film school, the application process, what that was like in high school, and this is kind of a continuation from our previous episode, not the April Fool's bonus episode, but the one before that about Operation Varsity Blues and the whole college admission scandal. I mean, we talked a little bit about how prestigious and competitive the process is, but today we thought we'd elaborate. And... It fits with our shtick. (laughs) It's in our name, yeah. Yeah. First of all, have you watched anything in the last week? I don't know why it's taking me so long to think about this, but yes. Yesterday I started watching season three of the Formula One Netflix show. Oh, oh, okay, okay. (laughs) (laughs) What do you think I was going to say? Just like you started watching Formula One. Formula One. uh, (laughs) No, not at all. It's so funny to me because this show... Like, you could so easily just, like, right now, look up, you know, who won, like, what everything was. But it's so much better to watch it this way because you get all these interviews and you see all the drama and it's all contextualized. Mm -hmm. It's great. It's a really, it's a really fun show. I also, it's something that I would never, ever, ever dream of doing. I would panic and crash and die. But fun to watch other people doing it. It's very interesting, and it is the only way in which I will consume Formula One. Hmm. Because I don't understand it. If I just watch the race, I don't know all this drama that is amazing in, like, behind the scenes. Yeah, I have some friends who are kind of, like, they post about it. Some people are super into it. But the Netflix thing is really good because now this is the third year in a row that they've done it. So... You know, all the drivers, all the people, like, are very familiar with the Netflix crew. Oh, okay. Interesting. Yeah, I would recommend. Honestly, even if you're not, if you've never been into Formula One, it's kind of a fun way into it. It's very easy because they explain everything to you in very simple terms. I was named after a Formula One driver. What? Sterling Moss. Who did he run for? Like, who did he race for? He was British or Scottish or... Okay. something in that area okay they're all they all go to like it doesn't matter where they're from they get picked like for different teams yeah i don't know who i don't know much about him i just know that he was like an old formula one racer when like before the cars got super advanced and so are your parents like huge fans of formula one no my dad is like really into cars and stuff like that so <laughs> the spelling like came from his name but yeah just Sterling Moss is That's so cool. the origin of my name. <laughs> wow. Then you should definitely watch Formula One, man. <laughs> it will have legacy. nothing to do with... <laughs> nothing to do at all, but at yeah. least you'll be, you know, a little bit more well-versed into feel it. feel connected to my roots. Exactly. What did you watch? Uh, I watched To All The Boys 3. Okay. I forget what it's called, like Forever and After or something. Forever and Always? I don't know. Oh, I, yeah, Forever I and Always. I mean, that was such a... You know, shot in the dark, guess. Yeah. I have not seen a single one of those oh, movies. okay. But she goes to NYU, or she gets into NYU. 
Uh, I won't spoil it, but it, yeah, it has a lot to do with NYU. <laughs> like, it's kind of a walking ad for NYU. Really? I'm, I'm wondering how much they paid off the producers to, I don't know, maybe it's in the book, who knows. Was it realistic? Probably not at all, right? Well, that's the thing. It triggered some emotions that I was going through in high school. Really? And this, this is so connected to this episode today. Like, mm-hmm. getting into college while you're in a relationship. Mm. So my girlfriend at the time, she got into NYU, like, early decision. And in the movie, the whole the, kind of the conflict is that, uh, Jesus, what's his name? I don't even know what his name is. Is the it dude. Noah Centineo? Yeah, but the character's name, I don't remember what oh. his name is. Peter? That's his name. I mean, Peter. whatever you say, I will believe you. So we can call him Peter. It's Peter, I think. Okay, cool. He gets recruited to Stanford for lacrosse. And then she's mm-hmm. like applying and she also wants to go to Stanford. Mm. She doesn't get into Stanford. So there's like kind of a, a conflict there about how they're going to oh, like plan yeah. their lives and everything. I mean, I ended up going to NYU anyway. Not because of my girlfriend, but yeah, because I didn't get into USC. <laughs> it reminded me a lot of... Uh, a lot of things that um i was we were going through yeah that's so bizarre i think that also the the kissing booth too or whatever also deals with a lot of that of do you go i think she got into harvard and then she was deciding between harvard and whatever school her boyfriend yeah no it was i think it was even more ridiculous it was like harvard with her boyfriend or another school with her friend (laughs) Which seemed like the biggest no-brainer of all time. I don't even know what the other school was. I can't even remember. Because it didn't matter. Because it was Harvard with her <laughs> And I don't even know. I haven't seen the movie, so I don't even know what she chooses. But what a dumb predicament. Anyway. Right. Weird trend now in, like, teen movies that that's the thing. I know. Like, getting into college and, you know, if you're in a relationship. But I, it's a really, obviously, they don't. They don't go into that that deeply in this movie, but it's actually mm-hmm. a really interesting point in your life that I feel like hasn't been explored much in movies and media and stuff like that. Like, honestly, not you know, there's like yeah. that that teen fantasy version of it, which this kind of is, but like really earnestly, where where like adults can watch it and really reflect on it. Yeah, you know, something that's kind of funny for me is that when I was younger, um, I went to a German school in Uruguay. And at different points in my life, when I was in high school, I heard of different girls who were planning on going to Germany to do, you know, their undergrad or like grad school, whatever. And because of their boyfriends, because they had gone into a relationship, they decided not to go because, you know, they wanted to stay with their boyfriends. And I remember thinking, oh, dear God, that is the dumbest thing I've heard in my entire life. Like, I would never want to, you know not waste an opportunity but like not pursue something just because of my boyfriend and like where he is especially when you're that young oh my god and I think that subconsciously made me think okay I cannot get attached to people in high school like a committed long-term relationship because I was like I'll be damned if I (laughs) can't go abroad just because I am in a relationship like that just seems so stupid to me but You know, it's not stupid. It's just... I think had we gone to different schools, we would have broken up. Or at least especially if we were, like, bi-coastal. I don't think we would have done long distance. That's kind of extreme, I think. I mean, I don't know. I guess some people can make it work. But it's rare, and it's probably not that healthy. Yeah, I think it also, like, 
makes it harder to make friends and branch out when you get to your own college. Because if you're always trying to check in with your partner and trying to do, you know. Yeah, well. I think that, that that's easy to leave for later stages in life. But it also depends on everyone. Like, everyone's different and everyone manages relationships differently. Yeah, I mean, looking back, and we will make an episode on this eventually. Looking back on my freshman year, like. Oh, yeah. It was a little more difficult to make friends or just like, you know, naturally because I had that huge part of my life, like the relationship still going into college. That's mm-hmm. a completely different topic yeah. than today, <laughs> but I guess it's all tied and related. So yeah, that's an interesting segue into our main topic, which of course is the high school portion of it, mm-hmm. namely like junior, senior year when the process really starts taking off. Mm-hmm. Do you want to talk a little bit about, I don't know, how the culture was, like, yes. a, about college and getting in? Of course. I'd love to. Um, so, like I said, I grew up in Uruguay, which I need to say in Spanish because I sound so stupid. Uruguay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I just sound so silly saying that. But anyway. In, in Uruguay, colleges are, for the most part, free or like any public college and public colleges are actually really good for like certain careers. It's like the one you need to do. So if you're studying medicine or if you're studying law, you should go to the public one because that's yeah. the like main one. But there's also uh, private ones, which, you know, you can apply to get a scholarship for, but otherwise you'll just pay whatever amount. Like there's no application process. And so I always thought, okay, I'm going to go, depending on what I want to study, I'll go like to the public or the private one, I'll decide. But the thing is that I had a lot of trouble deciding what to study because I was just interested in so many different things. And I kept going back and forth, you know, for a long time in my life, I thought, okay, maybe I'll do, you know, like law or literature or economics or medicine, just like all over the place. Yeah. And I remember very distinctly this one time I was walking on the beach with my grandma and she's a psychologist. So she does a lot of uh, like tests to see what, you know, you want to study. And we were just talking and we kind of settled on medicine. And I thought, okay, maybe I'll just go into medicine. And we were (laughs) done with the talk. And then we kept walking and she told me that she was going to start a small like film class like she was gonna start going to like a place to learn about film okay and sterling i kid you not like my mind just like blew into a million pieces i was like what do you mean you're gonna go like to a class like that's something that you can study (laughs) and so that changed my whole worldview and i started thinking wait maybe i should study film like maybe that's a thing that's a possibility and not just like this weird unicorn dream type of situation So that is why I decided I was going to study abroad in the U.S. Because in Uruguay, I would would just not have been able to study film to the extent that I wanted to. So it was very late in my life that I decided that I was going to do the whole U.S. thing. And so I had to like catch up and do everything in my senior year, discover what the SATs were, take them while all of my classmates were, you know, not doing that. Um, I had to go to the U.S. Embassy to get kind of like the rundown of what is needed on a legal level, like what type of visa is required, like all the process, like recommendation letters, like all these things, the application process. And then I also went to 
the institution in which I learned English. And they had this woman who was American. And she told me, you know, there's this thing called the Common App. <laughs> and I was like, okay, this seems really helpful. And it was a very stressful time because I was the only person that I knew going through all of this. Yeah. And it felt like a lot and it felt like such a, you know, long shot and kind of like I was going in pretty blind. But I was very privileged and lucky enough to have my family um, take a little trip <laughs> to New York and to LA yeah. to um, look at different colleges because, you know, and I know that that is not the case for most international students which is nuts because, you know, you're committing to spending four years of your life away from all your family in a place you haven't really seen. Um, but anyway, I was very lucky that my parents supported that and we came, we went to New York and immediately, you know when you can like see yourself in a place? And I, I could 100% see myself at NYU, but then I was like, oh man, <laughs> now I have to get in. <laughs> <laughs> It seems really hard, um, but this all know, happened your senior year. This all happened my senior year. Like before January. Mm-hmm. Well, my senior year start started March 2015 and ended December 2015 because oh, it's the actual right. yeah because it's the calendar year as well. So you know, I graduated high school without knowing where I was going to go to college, which is very scary and would not recommend. Yeah, so I found out. In February, because I did early decision two for NYU, I found out in February, and I had graduated in December. Yeah. So it was like two months after I was out of high school. Mm-hmm. And, you got and your little you, gap semester. Which was amazing. <laughs> Honestly, I would recommend everyone do that, because it was great, because I had basically off from December till August. Mm-hmm. But that was kind of like the whole thought process of what it was like applying without really getting into the specifics, because we can get into the specifics in a minute. Sure. But that was kind of why also, because, you know, there was no... I think I think if it's something that... <laughs> if I had studied something else, I don't know if I would have gone to the U.S., because it's just so ridiculously expensive. And in yeah. certain areas, it's a lot of, like... Like, li- like what's it called? Like, liberal arts. You know, like, in, in other parts of the world, like, they study things that's more specific, and you end up with more, like, hard skills... Um, so it depends on what it is. Yeah. I know like if you're applying to schools in the UK, like you have to declare what your, like your application is pretty much a declaration of what you want to study. So like, there's no, mm-hmm. I don't know, maybe there's room once you get there, but like in terms of the traditional American liberal arts experience, like you can go into college undecided. Like that's a mm-hmm. thing, you know, you don't even yeah. know what you want to do and you can go to junior year and still not know what you want to do. So it's like, it's a lot more. Well, liberal in that sense Mm -hmm. with your education. Yeah. But what was your experience like? Because I think for you, it was way more like what I think the applying to college is like, like the American version. I mean, it's way more like it was depicted in the documentary. Mm -hmm. I mean, I went to a small private school in San Francisco. You know, there's there's a culture of like, oh, what are you applying to? Uh, mm-hmm. where did you get in and stuff like that, you know? And it's, I would hate that. I would hate that so much. Like the comparison. There were a couple people in the grade who were like really bad about that and who would just be so outspoken about your acceptances and everything. You'd just be all up in your grill. That was horrible mm-hmm. and that was so annoying. I never cared that much. I mean, I was I was curious about other people and other friends, especially like where they wanted to go, but I had never like 
I was never up someone's ass about, you know, mm-hmm. like how good the school was or whatever. That wasn't ever necessarily my focus when I was choosing schools. It was mainly for program. So mm-hmm. film program. Like I knew for a long time that I wanted to do film. In terms of film schools in the U.S., there's like a handful that are mm-hmm. kind of like always in the top 10 or whatever. So you got things like USC, NYU, Chapman, Emerson, Emerson. LMU, you know, those same five or six schools that just get thrown around. So those were my focuses. My focuses? Mm-hmm. My fo- focuses? Focus. <laughs> I think I it's know. focuses. Okay. So that was kind of how I, how I chose those. But I was also fortunate enough to have a college counselor, and that was a huge help because this college counselor was someone we would meet with quite frequently, I mean, especially senior year when things pick up. Um, But we first met with them in junior year to talk about, like, interests and just what we had on our mind. And then, Mm -hmm. um, you know, they could look at your grades, they could look at your test scores and everything, and then kind of decide, like, well, is it worth applying to the school? That's so heartbreaking. But wait, when did you start taking the standardized test? And did you take SAT or ACT? I took the SAT. Uh, I took one practice test for the ACT, and I realized instantly that I could not do it. I mean, I'm sure if I had actually put effort and worked on it, then I could have gotten somewhere, but I was just like, this is too much. So I just stuck with the SAT. Did average on it. I mean, I got a 1360, which is not at all enough to get into you know, your big IVs or anything. Uh, but it's, it's whatever. So I knew that that was like not something that I was going to hold my entire application to, mm-hmm. you know, that score. Um, I had really good grades. Um, and I just focused on like doing extracurriculars and things like that. It's that toxic culture that you hear about all the time. It was that it was stressful. It is such a toxic culture. And it's such a terrible, grueling process to go through. And I don't even know what I got on the SAT. I But what you're saying sounds high to me. I think I got way less than that. I think I did terrible, like absolutely terrible on the SAT. But uh, thankfully, NYU accepted IB scores. My school wasn't IB, but it was the German version of IB. Yeah. And so they accepted that. Thank God. I don't think I would have gotten in <laughs> if they hadn't accepted that. But at the same time... It was, I was doing that on top of like all these other exams that I had to do for my actual high school. And so it was very hard for me to study for the SAT when it was such a different, I never had exams that were multiple choice, like anything, like never in my life, a math exam, multiple choice was just the most ridiculous thing to me. It was Mm -hmm. always about like showing the process and like these very difficult things, but you know. Not trying to trick you in a right. way where it's like you have a minute and a half to solve this and these three answers are very similar and you can easily mistake one for the other. Yeah, I was I was not good at standardized testing. Like I did very well in math, but math <laughs> on the SAT was <laughs> yeah. not great at all. I think they're going to get rid of that at some point. They have to. I think they are because right now it's a bubble like... The SAT and the ACT are competing so hard with each other that they just keep making the tests easier and easier. It's so ridiculously inflated that the numbers mean nothing anymore. Yeah. And it's so, it like skews rich and white, right? Because if you have the money to pay for a SAT tutor or, you know, a 
like a prep company. What are they called? Like test prep test companies? Prep. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I went to the Fulbright in, in Uruguay. Yeah. Because no one knew what the SAT was. So like it was me and four other people and we had to go. I, I took the SAT at the American high school. Yeah. Which was very scary and I hated it. And, and it was not that many people. And you could only take it, I think they offered it like a handful of times a year. So you had to, you know, do that. Oh, the other thing, sorry. The other test that I had to take that I forgot about was the TOEFL exam. I was about to so, ask you if you took that, yeah. Yeah, I had to take that because it's for um, international students that whose like first language or like their national language is not English, right? Yeah. And it was a test that was all done on computers, but... You were like in this big room with, I don't know, like 20 computers and 20 kids, but we're all in the same room and like I can hear other people typing or whatever. There was like a 20 minute section, then a 10 minute break in which like the computer went on a break and you could not stop it. You just had to like be on a break. And then it was the speaking part in which you speak to a computer, like it gives you a prompt and you have a minute to respond. Oh, and God. Yeah, it sucks. But like, Mind you, you're in a room full of well, other people. Yeah. Lo and behold, I heard so much that I was the first one done with like the written part. And so I was in a break for 10 minutes. Like everyone was finishing up their thing. So then I had to start speaking while everyone else was in a break, which was the worst experience oh. in my life. Because <laughs> it's like you have 20 seconds to think of your answer to like, what's your favorite thing to do, you know, on a summer evening? And you have a minute to say something. Yeah. So, like, they're all silly and embarrassing things that you have to say. And I had to say them in front of everyone, which That's sucked. so weird that they would administer an audio thing in a group. <laughs> yeah, it was not It was not well thought out, but I got a great score on that. <laughs> so, it was fine. Yep. I never knew about these. These are not things that we had to do in yeah. the U.S. Makes sense. <laughs> I, I did the IB, mm-hmm. but I didn't I didn't submit my IB scores. I was just like, I don't want it to be a conditional offer. I just, like, <laughs> I don't want to be stressed <laughs> about it. So I I did the SAT and I just like prioritized doing other things, um, mm-hmm. making my application better. One of those things for film school is the supplement. So, I mean, we, we did slightly different film programs. Mm-hmm. I did cinema studies at NYU. Yeah. And then I did film, pro- film and TV, which is mm-hmm. like the... Production. production and then yours is more theoretical mm-hmm. uh and um academic mm-hmm. so we both had to do an additional supplement to the common app which was kind of like a little portfolio of type thing you yeah. have to submit like a like a work sample and then you do like short answer essay questions what was yours like i don't remember the short answer ones i think they were silly i think one of them was have you ever taken a film class before i was like Nope. <laughs> very, okay. very quick. Yeah. Um, but my supplement, like the, the meat of my portfolio was to write a six-page essay on, it was very open-ended. It was either any director or film genre, film trope, like a specific movie, whatever. Just write about anything related to film for six pages. Yeah. And I wrote... And this is crazy to me that I wrote this and I didn't have anyone proofread it for me or give me notes or anything. I was just like, yep, this is good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which I feel like now 
even if I have to send like a short email, sometimes I'm like, maybe I need a second pair of eyes. Right, right. <laughs> um, but I wrote about, about La Vita Vela, Life is Beautiful, the 1997 Roberto Benigni movie. Mm-hmm. Movie. Film masterpiece. And <laughs> I... <laughs> And I think the approach that I took was to write a little bit about my personal experience with the movie because I, again, went to a German school and I had been taught about the Holocaust since I was in kindergarten. And so I thought that I basically had seen every possible angle there was to see about the Holocaust, especially like in film. Yeah. And in one of my German history classes, they made us watch this movie and I remember telling my mom, like, oh, we're going to watch this movie. She was like, oh, my gosh, no. Like, that's so awful. Like, that movie's so terrible, so sad. I can't believe you're watching it. And I was like, okay, I guess it's terrible and sad. And then in school, like, my best friend was like, oh, my God, this movie is, like, the sweetest, the, like, cutest movie in the world. I was like, hmm, there seems to be a disconnect here. Like, which one is it? Yeah. And turns out, like, the first half of the movie is a romantic comedy by all means it's a romantic comedy and then the second like hour and a half or like the second half of the movie holocaust which like it's a tragedy of a movie which makes honestly like the happiness of the beginning makes the sad part like so much sadder because you care so deeply about all the characters and like everything that's happening right and so i related a, a lot to different philosophers and like victor frank came to mind which he was in auschwitz and i think in another concentration camp but basically he writes about freedom and how even in the most extreme of circumstances people still have the freedom to like choose how they react to these extreme circumstances like there's nothing you can do to deprive a human being of like their own mind um which i thought the movie kind of exemplified so I wrote about that, and I read that recently, and I was like, still pretty solid. <laughs> still pretty good. Yeah. Maybe you can revisit it and publish it. Oh, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, also, the movie came out the year I was born, so I was like, it's meant to be, baby. It's meant to be. <laughs> but yours was totally different, your portfolio. It was not an essay. Mine was certainly less intellectual. We had options. We could submit... Either a film that I think for NYU specifically, it was like less than 10 minutes. Or you can do multiple films, right? As long as like the whole thing was less than 10 minutes. Oh, something like that. I don't remember. Okay. I mean, I only made one. I wasn't going to (laughs) bother. You could, I think, submit a screenplay sample or do like a series of photos and then kind of like write a little bit about why you chose like these 10 photos. Uh, I, I did the film. I made the little short. It was about three minutes long. And I submitted that to other schools as well. And then the short answer prompts were like, I don't know, like, who's your favorite director and why? Or like... Do you remember who you said? I think I said... Uh, I remember writing about Whiplash. I don't know what the prompt was exactly, but I something about Whiplash. Interesting. I think maybe it was like a... I, that might have been it. I think it was like write about a work that impacted you in some way. Whiplash. How many people do you think chose Christopher Nolan or Tarantino as their favorite director? It has to be like upwards of 80%. (laughs) (laughs) Writing about Pulp Fiction or Inception? Yeah. Probably. I don't know. I'm sure a bunch of people wrote about Whiplash and Damien Chazelle as well. He was kind of a hot topic at the time. 
Yeah. With La La yeah, Land between and everything. La La Land. Yeah. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah, that was that. I mean, I applied to probably nine, I think 12 schools in total. Like if I'm factoring in the UCs as individual mm-hmm. schools, uh, the UC application is a separate thing. It's not part of the common app and you kind of just like can check off <laughs> the different schools mm-hmm. you want to go to. Did you have any benefit being like in-state? Because you were, you know, in from state? California. No. Yeah. No, it's not a thing. I mean, you get, you, you pay less if you get in, but it's not, uh, yeah, they don't do, because my, my parents went to Berkeley but they don't oh. do legacy or anything like that, which I think is good. I, <laughs> yeah. Only legacy is if you pay, you know, upwards of $10 million. Ultimately, I got into NYU, I think, through the back door because my parents donated, I, th- I want to say, $35 million. But that's not enough. I, I think with if they only donated $35 million, then you definitely got in through your short essay questions. Oh. <laughs> Um, I'm kidding. I got in legitimately through the front door. I, I I will say though, I do recognize the privilege of having a college admissions counselor and one that actually like worked with me and, you know, actually Mm -hmm. gave a shit. Cause I know some people who, I think in America, more or less, it's a requirement to have a college counselor, but a lot of them, they just like, they'll say like, Hey, what's your name? Uh, what school are you interested? Cool. Great. I'll sign your forms and whatever. Done. Yeah. Well, some people have, there's like one counselor for the entire school, right? And then... Yeah, we had a we had two, and then they were like, Split, they would separate yeah. the grids. and Yeah, so it was more manageable for them. But it yeah. was certainly a, a, a great guidance thing. It wasn't a Rick thing, but it was a guidance. <laughs> um, yeah. And it was, it was definitely crucial, and I recognize that, that not a lot of people have that privilege. You know what's funny? I had my parents watch Operation Varsity Blues, <laughs> and I was like, what do you think? <laughs> And they both went, we have no idea how you got in. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, I, <laughs> it I makes mean, no sense. Don't forget that, like, <laughs> I think in the grand scheme of things, the people who are making these kinds of side door deals. It's the 1% for sure. It's not like out of 7,000 freshmen who go to NYU, like 4,000 of them got in through the side. Yeah. Uh, well, at least that I know of. We don't know our very friends could be how insane would that be like if you were classmates with olivia jade uh, or like olivia jade is a bad example because she very clearly did not want to go to college like imagine if you're friends with someone who you know is very happy to be there and then you find out that the only reason they got there was because their parents paid all this money yeah i've wondered that i've wondered if i have come into contact with anybody who totally illegitimately got in that's i've always wondered that but that was, those were uh, our processes, and they were as legitimate as can be. Yeah, pretty brutal, but yeah. paid off, I guess. Do you have any parting wisdom to young, impressionable high schoolers that are thinking about applying to college or film school specifically? I would say be kind to yourself and don't... Try to separate your own person to your application because it's very easy for any rejection to feel very personal. But at the end of the day, these schools don't assign your like self-worth. And if you still are very passionate about like going to a specific school, you can always like transfer later in life. You can take a gap year and like apply again or you can like, you know, 
try different routes, but try to always think, okay, they said no to that application, not to you as a person, because they don't know you as a person and like all the value. And like, you know, sometimes maybe film school was not the route and you can still become a filmmaker other ways. Like it's not a prerequisite. It's not like, unless it's medicine where like you can't really practice medicine unless <laughs> yeah, yeah. or practice law, like unless you really need a certification. Right. You know, there's other ways. There's always other ways. Yeah. How about you? What's your wisdom? It's good. I mean, it, look, it's, it's hard to hear that and actually take it because mm-hmm. I was always told that in high school. Uh, when I got rejected to USC, I cried. I was... Yeah. I was a wreck for a couple of days. Well, because it feels like your future's in shambles all of a sudden. Yeah. Um, And it's a really, really bad feeling. But, you know, me here four or five years. uh, Four? Five? Whatever. (laughs) I can't can't do math. That's why I went to film school. Um, (laughs) Years later. The real reason, yeah. As I near the end of my college career, you ultimately realize, you know, in seeing where your friends go and where other people go and you meet other people from other schools or other programs, like on a purely educational level, most schools are more or less the same. Mm -hmm. College really is about what you make of it. And I don't subscribe to the thought where people say like, oh, college is useless. Don't even consider it. Or like college is the only way you have to. Mm -hmm. Again, unless you're doing like medicine or something where you kind of have to. College really is what you make of it. So the only person who will know what is right for you is you ultimately. So just go out. If you have the means, go try it. It's a really complicated part of your life to explain. Mm -hmm. But you kind of need to half trust the process. Absolutely. And I think just a little to piggyback off of what you're saying, a, one of the biggest things that you get out of college is your network. Mm-hmm. But, you know, nowadays with LinkedIn and, you know, social media and all these new tools, you can still network without actually being at that specific school. It's harder. It's yeah. much harder because you need to take it upon yourself to do it. But it's still possible. Yeah. And you can even shoot us an email, you know, we'll make something happen for you. Maybe. That's, that's <laughs> not a guarantee. put in a good word. That's <laughs> <laughs> not a guarantee, but. <laughs> well, pay us $10 million and we'll see what we can do. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Well, that is the beginning of our college journey and mm-hmm. film school. I think we were planning on making individual episodes for each year that we went through. Because yeah. there's a lot more ground to cover within mm-hmm. the college discussion. For sure. And we can touch on, you know, specific classes that we thought were really useful, helpful, interesting, or worthless. Right. Definitely have a bunch of all of those. Yeah. Reach out to us. We're real human beings. We can (laughs) type and respond to you in real time. So Yes, we can. (laughs) Reach us at our email, follow us on Instagram, find us on Letterboxd. All the info is in our description. Okay. Bye. (laughs) See ya. Oh, cheer up, Squid. It could be worse. Yeah, you could be bald and have a big nose. Well, this is the end.